This week on Another Brother. Is anti-gravity flying? That's that's kind of semantic, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I these mean, academic nerds do. And I mean, yeah. it is a government. <laughs> I once got in a really big fight with Mark. Um, Rober? <laughs> uh, a friend from working in broadcasting about the fourth dimension. <laughs> We're talking about completely different things, and I feel so stupid that what? I... That's a no-no. <laughs> to be fair, I don't recall if I actually used the toilet, but I at the least saw the toilet. Okay. Who here? Oh wait, how do we do this? <laughs> show Just go. Fans. Do it. <laughs> Down in the show comments, you tell us: Do you believe in aliens or not? Am I alone? Are you alone in this universe? I think not. But you might think so, and that's just sad. <laughs> You're sad. <laughs> anyway, recently the head of the Galileo Project, which is a Harvard University astronomy department project to answer a lot of these UAP questions. His name is Abraham Loeb, Loeb, L-O-E-B, goes by Avi. And Sean M. Kirkpatrick, who is the director of the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office at the Pentagon. So this is the new Pentagon-approved, formal, official UAP research office. So together, these two guys... Sorry, before... before Oh, yeah. For those that don't know, we don't call them UFOs anymore. They are now Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP. Kind of sad. Yeah. Do we really need to rebrand UFOs? Yeah, most people think <laughs> UFOs sound like crazy talk. I don't know why this helps that any, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't say that you're a UFOlogist anymore. No, you but have... part of the reasoning UAPologist? is... <laughs> if you listen to Lou Elizondo, mm-hmm. part of the reason for that is because are they flying? Are these transmedium oh. craft flying? Right. There's no sign of propulsion. There's no control f- surfaces. And we they have hover no a lot. Is that really flying? Is anti-gravity flying? That's mm, that's kind of semantic, but that's fine. <laughs> <It> is, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean, these we, academic nerds do. And I mean, it yeah. is a government agency, so if you'd expect anybody to be super picky about words. Yeah, you got to be the government. Yeah, choose the right words and be super bland about it, too. But they they co-authored a report that at the time of this recording was still under draft review. Hmm. So I understand that it hasn't been peer-reviewed. Just these two gentlemen in their respective offices co-authored this report, and it's called Physical Constraints on Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And they go around and try to discuss a lot of key physics-based issues Related to the UAP question. I see. So physics as we understand it. Yeah. How are they breaking our understanding of physics? Yeah. Given their behaviors that we can watch. Right. And why aren't we observing these craft through traditional physics, like things that we understand through physics, through our sensors, like heat friction as they're entering the atmosphere? Mm. Like how is there no heat signatures? Certain like radio wave propagation that you would expect to see, but like... Objects like Oumuamua, mm-hmm. yes, this is what I was gonna didn't yeah. exhibit Oumuamua. at all. 
It didn't. What What did Nomuma exhibit? Let me find this. Well, first, before I get there, let me just read the abstract, and maybe you can cut it and post. Okay. Because it's pretty long, and it gets pretty technical. Okay, so the abstract for this report says, We derive physical constraints on interpretations of highly maneuverable unidentified aerial phenomena based on standard physics and known forms of matter and radiation. In particular, in particular, we show that the friction of UAP with the surrounding air or water is expected to generate a bright optical fireball, ionization shell, and tail, mm. which implies radio signatures. So they should be able to say, see these things with radar, other RF-based antenna, electro-optical sensors, and infrared sensors. Like, all three of those. <clears throat> I feel like there's a butt coming. The fireball luminosity scales with inferred distance to the fifth power. <laughs> Okay, there's some, there's the technicality stuff. Yeah. Okay, anyway. The lack of all these signatures could imply inaccurate distance measurements and hence derived velocity for single-site sensors without a range gate capability. Oh, so there's even a practical reason why they're talking about yes. this. Like, we can't get accurate readings on certain things like speed just because we can't... Presum yeah, presumably. So from single-site sensors, mm. if our sensors are not correctly picking up the right signatures, then we could be completely misinterpreting the, the velocity. Right. So it's just really interesting because they take, as a matter of fact, all of these certain UAP events, and they're acknowledging this is real, this is happening. We haven't been able to sense them like we should based on our, on our understanding of physics. So here's some potential reasons for that. So the intent is, again, to use a science-based foundation to then develop technologies, equipment, new science to help us better identify these objects mm. or phenomena. Well, it sounds to me like they kind of give away the solution. I mean, th it, there's no way it could possibly be this easy. I'm probably missing something, but it sounds like they give away the solution right there in, in that last thing you read. They said single sensor. So use... So Two, like we have eyeballs and use the parallax to, I mean, I, I don't know. That sounds yeah, like you, that would fix it. Yeah, you can do similar things with, I mean, optics is just um, radiation just on a different side of the electromagnetic spectrum, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So light is versus radio frequency versus like gamma and x-ray and, and whatever, on and up. So yeah, so similar techniques you apply when you're talking about antennas or like space telescopes and things. But it's really interesting, the real nerdy stuff. Okay, here we go. On March 9th, 2017, six months before Oumuamua's closest approach to Earth, a meter-sized interstellar meteor collided with Earth. Did you catch that? Say that again? Uh-huh. I haven't heard okay. this part. Six <laughs> months before Oumuamua's closest approach to Earth, a meter-sized interstellar meteor collided with Earth. Okay. Surprisingly, so this is this has been called IM2, so mm. Interstellar Meteor 2. So there's okay. been two of these have been observed. Oh. Right. So interstellar meaning this did not come from our own solar system. Correct. Right. Which is, it's never been well, yeah, well, seen then, before. Oh, well, 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 the first one, right? Oh, is the, let's see. First interstellar uh, like we haven't found any samples on Earth that lead us to believe that it came from outside of our solar system ever before, except right. for these objects. Right. Okay. So Oumuamua, I believe, is the first known interstellar right. uh, yeah. object, object detected that within we, our solar system. Yeah. 
But there must have been an I am one. I think that is I am one. Oh, so Oumuamua is I am one. Yeah. And now this thing that's actually come in contact with the planet is I am two. Is I am two. Okay. Oh, I haven't heard about this second one. So this is, okay. So this is the mothership. Keep listening. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, I am two had an identical speed relative to the sun at large distances and an identical heliocentric semi-major axis as Oumuamua had. But the inclination of IM-2's orbital plane around the sun was completely different from Oumuamua's, implying that the two objects are unrelated. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, the coincidences between some orbital parameters of Oumuamua and IM-2 inspires us to consider the possibility that an artificial interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during its close passage to Earth, an operational construct not too dissimilar from NASA missions. And I just I just want to call out again, as a reminder, everything Josh is reading is in an upcoming report that's going to be released in joint by the Pentagon and this Harvard professor. Yeah, the right? his Galileo project. So like these are this is top government brass and highly educated professors saying, Hey guys, it's possible that there are mother crafts and probes out there, just like we do. I am too. Did we recover that, or did we just observe it? Okay, so this yeah, is where it gets yeah, really awesome. One of the main goals of the Galileo project right now, and they've received, I believe they've received funding, and they have a date for their voyage, is to go collect whatever they can find from I am too. So we have a, a good it, idea of where it... Yes, we know exactly okay. where it's splashed down. So where was it? Oh, splashed In down. the ocean? I believe it's outside. I, I believe it's close to Japan, if I remember right. Hmm. Oh, crap. This is just a kaiju egg, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to have some giant monster come out of the sea. <laughs> I love Pacific Rim. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, Sorry, yeah. go on, go on. Yeah, so they're going to go dredge this thing up. Luckily, it seems wow. like, based on where they project it, would have settled down that it's within range to pull up and they're mostly interested in the composition of it of course yeah. so i think they can tell How from on earth you're gonna like it was a meter find it? and that was before it hit the water yeah well here's the question is it ferrous okay so mm-hmm. mostly space objects are metallic right mm-hmm. so then the question is is it a ferrous metal is it a non-ferrous metal can we detect it mm-hmm. through you know typical measurements we have everyday measure measurement devices or can we not? And then, is it an alloy known to man? Is right, it one it's interstellar. One of these times, we're going to have to talk about Blink-182. Or should yeah. I say Tom DeLonge mm-hmm. and to the Stars, Academy. the Stars Academy. Yeah, Because flipping Tom DeLonge has started his own, I don't even know what to call it. It's a media group of sorts. You yeah. Know, like a marketing. But at the end of the day, the media is just to drive money to be able to put into research to reproduce their own. Yeah, they're trying to UAP of alien technology. Technologies. Tom DeLonge's uh, stars to the stars to the stars is trying to reproduce that alien is like, technology. That's the goal that's of the that. We don't even understand. Yes. Yeah. So the wow. media platform is to first of all, again, make money to fund their research, and two, to educate the populace hmm. to to not make it this big scare thing. But because yeah. how are you going to sell your technology? If you keep saying it, it's it comes from alien stuff, guys that we researched yeah. and, and we figured it out. <laughs> yeah. No one's gonna 
Like you can't you can't turbo encapsulate your way to to <laughs> to all your your sales. So like if you Google to the stars, you know Google has like their little immediate profile type thing of what you search if it's mm-hmm. something known. It says to the stars science company. Nice credibility. <laughs> I should I, start a science company. <laughs> I don't think he has Louis Elizondo with him anymore. Yeah, which you know, mm-hmm. I think Bummer. initially it was critical for Lou to do some of these what I would call less than credibility building <laughs> things just to generate awareness, but I think, you know, for someone to be in the positions that he's been in, of such trust and awareness and just knowledge and control over a bunch of these, you know, kind of sensitive type programs, you know, somebody like that isn't going to be really looking for the spotlight and the mm-hmm. limelight. Mm-hmm. So I think he did what he needed to do. And now he's probably more than happy to kind of recede a bit, maybe circulate in the more professional spheres again. Well, he got an official Pentagon posting. Uh, I don't know what you call it, task force? He's a consultant now. I oh. think he's a contractor, so I think he... That's right. He's not head of the UAP yeah. task force or whatever it is anymore. Yeah, no, I think he's specifically been hired on as an independent contractor consulting with the Pentagon's office now. Because it's the new guy who co-authored this report, right? Patrick. Yeah. yeah. Nevertheless, now that it, there is an official thing going on in our government to study this stuff, it would be a little weird if he maintained ties to, to the stars, probably. There'd be a conflict of interest, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because so. if the government finds any technology, the government wants to keep that technology. Uh, like they already have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what am I talking about? <laughs> you mean when they found that technology? <laughs> yeah. But also, okay, so we are aware of the Chinese balloon and the $10,000 ham radio club balloon. <laughs> that one was particularly yeah. sad. That is sad. <laughs> All these things. <laughs> This is just a totally different, these are just t- two totally different problem sets. Like a nation state's stratospheric surveillance balloon compared to these fast movers, extremely agile transmedia craft. <clears throat> like two completely different issues. With so, no signals that we can even yeah. measure or read. Yeah. Well, I mean, allegedly these F-18s, like the Wizzos or F-16s, whatever, um, you know, can image them and, and right. get, you're getting radar signature in atmosphere. You're getting electro-optical and infrared signature returns. So, like, it's it's unquestionable that these things exist because you can't have that many advanced sensors just be completely wrong because we built these based on physics. And so they're going to show us what we built them to show us. So there are physical objects there. They're not balloons. <laughs> And it's just really exciting that these guys are trying to approach it from the scientific perspective. And while recognizing that, it could be that just our fundamental understanding of physics is wrong. It could be that the way we have built sensors um, isn't cutting it. And there's things that we need to do differently. But even if that's the case, that wouldn't explain what, like, Navy pilots have observed these crafts being capable of doing. The way that they maneuver... The instantaneous acceleration. Not, yeah, it's even hard to almost call it instantaneous acceleration because acceleration is a, but just, I guess the rate of acceleration where, yeah. Yeah. And then you tell me if you're piling a tiny craft, some of these not so tiny, 
if you're piloting that and then you're like you go to a stop and then you just shoot off at a 90 degree angle from your last direction of movement you're gonna just flat yeah, on the brain's wall. gone <laughs> you, the you maneuverability yeah. in star trek terms they either have inertial dampeners or these are probes with nobody inside or robot yeah. pilots inside could be i've heard sure. that theory before sure. yeah but or yeah, definitely lieutenant data's inside uh, or my favorite YouTuber. Oh boy! Hold on, let me pull up the. I don't want to get this wrong, so we can even this. Okay, while squished. you're pulling that up, just another thought that occurred to me: Tom DeLonge's obsession and relationship to UAPs slash aliens gives you a different understanding of his other band, Angels and Airwaves. Oh, I didn't know he was in MA. I didn't know he was in huh? those bands. I didn't either. know that was. Yeah, that's him singing. Oh. oh, yeah, listen to the voice. It's, yeah. Huh. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Angels and airwaves. I love that. Yeah. Straight up aliens. So, Fran Blanche has a incredible YouTube channel called Fran, Fran Lab. Blanche? Yeah. F-R-A-N Blanche. Okay. B-L-A-N-C-H-E. Yeah. I've never heard of Fran. Mm-mm. This is your favorite YouTuber? I mean, for this sort of topic? Oh, okay. Absolutely. I thought you were saying, like. Just above all else. This is my favorite. Yeah. She? Yeah. And I believe she worked for JPL. Mm. Um, like Rover. Like Mark Rover. Whether she did or not, um, she's just incredibly intelligent and did like a, I mean, she was totally nerding out about that first unclassified congressional report on UAP. Mm. She did a live stream like as soon as it dropped. And just discussed everything, like almost line by line of this congressional report. And like, again, this woman is so freaking intelligent. And she was just totally taken by all of it. So she's on board because she knows, I mean, if she doesn't know these people who've done the research personally, she understands the science and the scientific method and like the way they're going about doing it. And so she understands the rigor that they put into these things. And so she's able to like see between the lines and understand like, okay, if they're saying this, then that means they probably did all this and they actually mean this. And she has fascinating concepts of time. And she has a video where she discusses the fifth dimension and stuff. And so she had one video where she discusses her concept of these alien, probably as a probe, but basically as fifth dimensional uh, projections into our reality. But she like, conceptualizes and explains her opinion of the fifth dimension and how that makes sense within our current understanding of multi-dimensions. Spatial? When when you're... So I always have to ask this because I once got in a really big fight with Mark. um, Rober? (laughs) A friend from working in broadcasting about the fourth dimension. (laughs) We're talking about completely different things and I feel so stupid that I didn't... I knew what he was talking about, but in that moment, I did not. And I was getting really upset about it. <laughs> Are we talking about spatial dimensions or like how time is Ugh. the fourth dimension? <laughs> like there's three spatial dimensions. Time is the X, fourth y, dimension and, and there's another dimension after that. Um, yeah. Because there are mathematicians that work on the math of four spatial right. dimensions. And there's data science and there's oh. there are programmatic arrays that allow you to do multidimensional data sets. 
like oh. up to an nth to an nth dimension of data. I'm not even sure I know what that really n dimensions I, nth nth yeah yeah nth yeah yeah, yeah. I, I got you n superscript th superscript oh yeah right right sure, there sure. are yeah 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 nth dimensions n dimension like just li- I mean, limitless yeah yeah Whatever. yeah. I don't, I I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, I don't me get either. it. I don't get it. Well, in this in in the case of of Fran's video explanation, I think it means as a separate dimension apart from spatial and time, like temporal, spatial, temporal. Okay, and so like the fourth dimension would be time. Presume. Hmm. Okay. I don't want to open myself up to too many critics. Here. I just don't know why you. I just I don't know why someone would start talking about the fifth dimension specifically. Yeah. Without. The fourth dimension being time. I'm sure and it the is. the other three dimensions yeah. being the three when you talk about space. relativity and yeah. stuff, you've got, there's a lot of time, to, like space, the fabric of space and angular acceleration of velocity and like general relativity and how time is just a real intrinsic part of all of how all of this works. Is there even a difference? Is the fourth spatial dimension mathematically any different than time? I, I don't actually know. I have no clue. Yeah, I'm lost now. Yeah. Cool. And, um, <laughs> we where <did> am I? <laughs> so, with all of the like creative stuff happening, the family, Heather started her started a new rainbow art Instagram. Oh yeah, Shannon told me about that. Yeah. Makes her happy. Lars got her voice acting up on Fiverr? No, Amazon. Fiverr. Fiverr. Oh. On Amazon, Josh, or should I say Ken? Has a little book series thing. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> was it Ken? Was that your name? It, sh- it um, should be Kevin. Kevin. Okay, my bad. Alex is selling stuff on Etsy, like Im- invitation stuff that he hand created. That's a Digitally. Bad, digitally. I thought I'd write a book. About what? Uh, about reverse psychology. Yeah, don't buy it. Man. Come on, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta laugh closer to your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, hey kids, do you know what time it is? Story time! Okay, I'm just, I'm doing it. I'm going to take a departure here. Oh boy. Take a nice little break from, you know, memory lane, reliving memories with each other, telling stories maybe we hadn't heard about each other. This is a dream I had. Or should I say, no, I won't. I'll let that be a secret. Secret. (laughs) Wait, this is a dream I had, but it's not. It's going to be revealed later. No, dot, dot, dot. Anyway. I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about this. (laughs) (laughs) This is a dream I had a couple nights ago. Okay. But was it? I feel like it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It does tie into reality. So that's why I felt a little more empowered, so to speak, to share it. Because it's just... Totally doff our defined way of doing things here. Yes, exactly. And I'm not desperate scraping the barrel for stories. We got plenty more stories to come. This was just a first-time experience for me, and so it felt Hmm. significant enough to share. Given the certain interests and passions that we have, I think you guys will see why I wanted to tell it. So like most dreams, it started out fairly normal. Normal as in understandable why you're having it like it the dream dream is something that could match reality right you're just in a normal setting doing normal Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. at becky's house big family party okay i'm in the bathroom and i'm looking at 
<laughs> Sorry, I just got done using. It's normal, I promise. No. <laughs> normal bowel got, movement, that's all. Just, that's just <laughs> totally normal. I just got done using Didn't the bathroom. <laughs> Nothing to see there. Just uh, don't go in for a little bit. And I I noticed the the back of the toilet. You know, you got the toilet lid sitting up, and you've got the back, the inside of it, I guess, whatever. And it's oddly ornate with, like, all these inlaid carvings of, like, animals and stuff. And there's this... This brand name on it, I can't remember what the brand name was that my brain had thought up of, but it was it. It just I saw it and it stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. So I go back, join the rest of the party. We're we're doing stuff and things, and then this is where it gets weird because now for some it's reason it's already weird that you dreamed about going to the bathroom. <laughs> Come on, I can honestly say I've never gone to the bathroom in a dream. I mean, before. no, because well, I wake up, I'm like, oh, I really have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, I never complete it in the dream. That's a bad. That's a no-no. <laughs> to be fair, I don't recall if I actually used the toilet, but I at the least saw the toilet. Hmm, okay. Curious. So then I see her washing machine. This is so fascinating. <laughs> I noticed the same brand name from the toilet on the washing machine. Okay, not too not too strange yet. And and the washing machine is open, and on the in, it's it's a front loading machine Mm -hmm. and so you know with the door open you can see straight into the drum and everything on the back of that drum there's a panel and there are more of these weird like inlaid ornate carvings or whatever you want to call it you know and again it's it's all these animals and it's like in this jungle scene and uh (laughs) for some reason everyone's all did i mention this is where it gets weird everyone's all gathered around me in, like, the, in the laundry room. Yeah. The day has finally come. It's happening. He's he's acknowledging the animals. I'm looking at it, and I'm noticing, like, some of the animal heads, there's this weird, like, cutout around them. And, like, I go and I, I, I push one. I knew it. It was a button. And it goes in, and it's a button. I knew it. And I start finding more of these things, and I'm just, I'm pushing them all. And And as I'm doing this, like... The inside of the washing machine is like opening and expanding, and this this nature scene is is growing and it's getting larger. And there's like this weird like blue light in the back of it, and so I, I'm just I'm just in there pushing all these buttons, like I'm getting this thing get as big as I can. I reach my hand back in there as far as I can to the blue light. I'm just really straining, and I get it, and. uh I don't know what happens, but all of a sudden, <laughs> what a, and then I woke up. How's that? How's that for a transition? I don't really know what happens from there. All of a sudden, you know, you know, I don't know if everyone's dreams are like this or if it's just mine, where like you can very rapidly go from like, oh yeah, that makes sense, to this extremely quick transition where like now you're in this completely unrealistic thing that you could never actually ever live or experience. Anyway, we're all inside of this scene in the washing machine now. Like Jumanji. Ooh, I like that. Like Jumanji. Only it's a washing machine. Not a board game. (laughs) (laughs) And no one there is fun. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're all like just going through almost like escape room-esque, right? finding all these Easter eggs and pushing all these things and expanding and growing. And it's this huge, like expansive adventurous thing. 
Okay. From here, like it takes a really quick turn. Oh yeah, this is a nightmare. Bum bum bum. Wait, that the- was the cliffhanger. That's where I said. No kidding. There I was. Oh no! In not a, in not. a washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. But also in my bed. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> okay, we're in. So remember, this was like jungle scene with animals, and it evolves, and then it turned into more of this like Cambodian Thai type of like jungle, jungle temple thing. Okay. okay, so it still matched that jungle theme and. But once we were like in it and we're in all these things, like it, th- the setting changed. And now we're in this, I don't know, early, not, not that early, like 1800s, basic, simple, like Presbyterian type of chapel. I know. It was really weird. We're at the front of it, at the entrance. We're still inside. And Josh, I remember Josh specifically, he was by the doors, the front doors. And I'm looking up Smart and man. I see... Got to protect that exit. Oh, I wish. Smart man. Oh. <laughs> Way to go. I, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> up, like above me, and but but to the side. It was on the side, not at the center of the, of the building. I noticed this... Oh, what was I calling it? An alcove. And there's light shining into it. And you from know, inside the building or outside? From the outside. <laughs> so you know how like in, in dreams... You have these things that, like, in the dream, like, like, oh, yeah, I know what this is. But, like, there's no real way of actually knowing. Yeah. Like, if you were actually there in real life, you'd never know what it was. So, like, seeing this weird alcove, again, at the very side of the church with the light shining in, I was like, oh, that's the steeple. That's where the steeple tower is. And it's got windows and the light's shining in. So, Josh, he's like, oh, cool, let me open the door and, and check it out and find out. He opens the door. Like you do. Another normal reaction. Don't start blaming me. So he opens the door. (laughs) But before he's even able to step outside, it slams shut with like tremendous force and locks. And he can't even jiggle the handle anymore. Then all of the lights in the chapel turn off. But there's still the light shining into that alcove from the steeple until there isn't. All of that light, like... It condensed down into a single red sphere in that alcove. And then that sphere of red materialized into a shadow being. Like it was shadow. It was just, it was just pure darkness. So not red anymore. Not red anymore. But despite it being like shadow and just dark, I could make the outline of a being, like a, a, a person. And like as soon as I caught its outline and its edge, it not ran because it's a shadow, but like flew down the, like just descended the wall. And at this moment, like I fell down, like on my butt, just like terrified about what the heck is going on. I, I try to like, my, my, my legs just stop working. So I'm trying to backpedal with my arms, but those eventually stop working. And then it grabs my feet and I wake up. So then I'm in bed, right? I'm, I, I wake up, I'm in bed. I'm trying to get Heather's attention for some reason. I don't, oh, I don't even no. know why. Do you have sleep paralysis? And I can't move. Oh my gosh. Like I just could not move. And then I'm trying to yell, like I'm trying to yell at her. And I have this very specific feeling of rope around my neck. It's simultaneously like choking the air out of me while compressing my esophagus while also like giving me this burning sensation in my neck. And I'm just like this coarse raspy gross voice just yelling yelling, Heather Heather help me 
And like, she can't hear me. Like I'm doing all I can. And then I finally, like I'm able to move my arm and I nudge her. It's so light that she's just like brushing me away, not realizing, you know, just think it's a normal sleep movement. And then for some reason she gets out of bed to go to the bathroom or something. And when she gets out of bed, I realize like there's something on top of me. And like, I can't move that thing that's on top of me. And that's why I can't move. But again, I'm trying to kick my legs and everything and move my arms. Is it a cross-legged hag? Ew. Because that's what usually what people report from sleep from paralysis. Sleep paralysis. literally a hag sitting on their chest. Yeah, it wasn't. But again, this whole time, she's completely oblivious. Like, she goes to the bathroom, like, without even noticing or paying attention. And then she comes out and she decides to go check on Iris. But as she does that, she then sees me and realizes I'm stuck and there's this thing trapping me on top of me. And she comes over, she grabs it, and she lifts it off. And as soon as she lifts it off, I wake up for real. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But it was I knew it. Okay, but it was one of those dreams where like it was real. Like where you wake up from it and it just it felt like you actually lived and experienced that thing. Yeah. 100% I didn't because <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> Are you sure you're not still dreaming right now? <laughs> no, I I mean, I was Deception. Oh, this is going to be I sh- I shouldn't be be airing this. This is going to sound bad. I was on the couch sleeping. I wasn't like even in the same room as Heather. Oh. I wasn't even in our bed. But it, it was just one of those moments where like you wake up and you actually have to think to yourself like, did that actually happen? Did I really go through that? Or or was that really my dream? Yeah. Crazy. I don't man. think I've ever had an Inception type dream like that where I'm like, oh, really? Confusing. Oh, see, I, I have them yeah. every now and then where like, yeah, I wake up and like, I just, I can't tell if it that really happened or not. Yeah, so in real life, I've never had a sleep paralysis. That was the first time in a dream where I have. And it was, again, it, it felt like I actually experienced it because the dream was that, like I was sucked in that deep and it felt that real that, ugh, it, it was an awful oh, feeling. Mm. What did she lift off of you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell you guys what the item was because it would have completely given away that I was still asleep. Yeah. It was Iris's crib. <laughs> just laying on top of it. It was so weird. And you're so weak you can't lift a crib. Uh, it was no, I'm I'm, and I forgot to mention at one point I did manage to get my arms up and clap, but it didn't make a sound. No matter what I did, I just I couldn't make any loud noises. It was hmm. it was creepy. All you dream interpreters out there, tell us what this was about. <laughs> oh no, don't. I love my baby <laughs> Iris so much. I do not feel weighted down. <laughs> is, it, is that why you were sleeping on the couch? When, when, when <laughs> Actually, you, it is. When you hear this later in life, Iris, it's not about you. <laughs> yeah, it was never about you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Dang it, that's what I was going to do. Oh, shoot. Do it. You're going to do it better. Thank you for being our brother. Wow, did that we might just be too energetic, that? though. Okay. <laughs> we'll take another run at it then. Okay. For, For being our brother. <laughs> that, the first one was too energetic. Gotcha. For show notes and other brother goodness, check out our website. Be sure to come back next week. And tell your friends so they too can become a brother of a year. Brother of a year.